Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Military Unsung Heroes podcast, where we talk to you, the airman, the grunt, the seaman, the marine, and the spaceman. I'm Kyle Hosteller. And I'm Dion Chavis, your host. Join us as we walk through the lives and honor the 1% of Americans that joined up to serve their country. Sure, what you guys want to talk about? So, you guys, you guys lead it. Just tell me yeah, what you want to check out. All about you. So, I guess, uh, the way we normally start it off is uh, just tell us who you are, your name, uh, your rank, or and then retired. I guess you're retired now. Yep, why you decided to join the military in the first place. Well, um, CWT Dominic Lewis, retired army. I was prior. W two mean? Uh, Chief Warrant Officer two. Chief Warrant Officer. Okay. I was, I was pretty much predestined to join the military. My dad was Marine Corps, and so I grew up on Camp Pendleton. I was in Marine Corps JROTC. I also did Civil Air Patrol. Pretty much from from a young age, I knew that that's what I was going to do. But I would say what made me choose Air Force would be uh, spending time with the Marines and seeing how hard they work for the same paycheck. <laughs> so it's like an E3 in the Marine Corps and an E3 in the Air Force. Uh, same exact paycheck, big difference in, in lifestyle, you know, and culture. And so being able to get exposed to that in Civil Air Patrol, it was a no-brainer for me. Like, why, why would I work harder for the same amount of money? You know what I mean? That might not be the right attitude for everybody, but that, that's what I was thinking as a young 17-year-old. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> that was one of our mottos that we were always slackers, right? We were the slackers of the, right? <laughs> the exactly. that nickname stuck with me, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So after, after you joined in uh, 2002, uh, where was your first base? Uh, so l- luckily I got a uh, base of choice. So I got F.E. Warren Air Force Base and where I went with most of my class, you, Jarvis, Haley, all those guys, you know, so. I think I lucked out in that aspect. I mean, obviously, I don't have the experience you guys going to Maelstrom and Minot. I did get to go to Maelstrom for for a minute. I think we took a road trip up there or something, but I never even went to Minot. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't go to Minot either. I think we're lucky. Yeah. Why not that bad, guys? Come on. Yeah, that good either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did like Epic's proximity to other stuff, though. You know, being able to go down to Boulder or Fort Collins, you know, so the proximity thing was, was nice. I liked it. 
So what was your experience at uh, F.E. Warren? Uh, personally, those were like some of the best years of my life, man. Like <laughs> those first couple of years in the military is like where you're still growing up. Like I joined at 17, you know, so you're still trying to figure out who you are, you know, and like how to be an adult. I remember writing my first check in the Air Force. I got my first car, my first cell phone in the Air Force, all that stuff. I remember actually, Hoss, you had your your car before me. I had to get rides yep. with you guys everywhere. You and Jarvis, and you guys, <laughs> both of you guys smoke like chimneys, freaking smoking me out in the back seat. Back in the day, yeah. Yeah, yeah. football with a cigarette hanging off his lip. He was like, <laughs> like the quarter, was the kicker from the replacements or whatever like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why that you wrote your first check. I did that. I remember uh, I used to walk to the gas station that was next to my house. And I would get money orders. And I remember the first time I did it, I filled the money order out fucked up completely wrong. And yeah. like they're like, they're like, we can't cash this. Like I put all the wrong information on the wrong lines and everything. And I was like, I don't know. Like I've never, like, <laughs> I've never had to there, do this. I was the same way. I remember I had like some E7 who like helped me walk me through writing my first check. I was like, like what goes where? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it was like, it has to be in person. Like, why? I just put the number in there. Why, why do I need to spell it out yep. again? And then sitting there trying to spell it. 4T-3. <laughs> oh, yeah. All the first, man. I even remember when I bought my first car, I didn't even know how insurance worked. So I bought my car on like a Thursday or Friday. I had to get a ride back from uh, the dealership. Because I couldn't drive the cross a lot until I got insurance. I didn't even know how that worked. <laughs> so it's like your first couple of years in the military, it's like, man, you're still figuring things out, you know, especially yeah. out of high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you don't get that little stint in college where mommy and daddy are still feeding you cash and taking care of you. It's just like the military yep. is like, here you go. So go, go fix this fucking billion dollar system. Oh, by the way, pay your bills on time. You know? <laughs> Right there, I am 18 working on nuclear weapons, but I don't know how to freaking write a check. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> so, how, how would you describe your um, your time in the field uh, uh, running nuclear weapons? So, I mean, as you know, man, like Haas, you and I, we we're on the same team. So, I really didn't get a whole lot of field time. I only spent what three years in the Air Force, and like a chunk of that, I did my first deployment. So there was a chunk where I wasn't even at FE. I was out. Uh, I was deployed was over in the Middle East. Field, right? Because yeah, that yeah. was in uh, readiness. So when, when did you go to the field? Because you blew my fucking mind when you said you were in the same class as him as Haley. And I thought for fucking years that he was in the class behind me. No, he, he was. I had no idea that you, yeah. you went in before me because I just never saw you. So I just assumed yeah. by the time I saw you that you were like, hey, go get my water. You know, like, I always thought you were behind me. <laughs> no, man. No, so, like, as soon as I got there, like, I, I got busy right away. Like, within the first six months, I, I volunteered for that uh, security forces augmentee. And so I got to leave tool room and go work the gate and work at the WSA. So I was patrolling uh, WSA, and that's where I, like, met, like, Crystal and, like, all the other cops that I knew back in the day, which is which is great, knowing people at the gate when you're when you're underage. When you know yeah. how works at the gate. <laughs> right? So, I mean, that, that paid off. But as soon as I got done with that security forces thing, I volunteered to go uh, over for that TCN duty. What was it? Force protection. So I left, I think, that July. 
So within six months, I was I was gone. That's why. Yeah, he wasn't there for. He only ran the field for like a year, and then. Yeah, I, just, I remember. I just like I saw him for like a brief second, and then he was gone, and I was like, "Man, who did he, what did he do?" We got, we got like, he must have got kicked together. Like, he must have got kicked the fuck out. Like, what did that guy do? I didn't see him in practice. Right? Because you know, F.B. Warren, we like kind of know where all the other brothers are, right? Like, no, all yeah. seven of the city knew, and I was just like, "Yo, he's not at the weekly meeting. Where did he fucking go, man? Like, what happened? Nah, to this? Yeah. Somebody got eyes on him." <laughs> now i know exactly what you mean man like when i got back like Dodie was looking at me the same way like sometimes i see you and then you're gone for six months and then you're back it's like because i was either doing the security forces thing or i was doing the deployment and then as soon as i came back we ran right into team training and so i got like maybe a year before i was like you know what i think i'm gonna go army <laughs> yeah so where are you with spino no we were we were um uh, major yeah, Major Fred. Major before or after me. It was such a quick stint. I don't remember Major's stint. It, it was before it was you because it was or Reed because Reed was you were the class after us. That was so, with Reed. Yeah. So Major Wood, I was a I, I was on that team as a cage man, and then I got kicked off because of my underage drinking, and then I got brought back as a top sider because one of the top siders quit. <laughs> <laughs> so me and Lewis still got to work together. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So we were together since tech school, man. Actually, yeah. since. Yeah, yeah, since sex school in Lackland. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, well, we were sister flights in basic, too. He, okay. was, he was across the hall from me. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, but, I still uh, got pictures of Lackland, man. Yeah? Yeah, so yeah. I think you sent me a picture of your uh, your your memorabilia wall, so that's that pretty cool. Yeah. After you ran the field for, what, a year? It was probably? What, yeah, somewhere around that. What made you decide to go Army? Honestly, I think what uh what kind of pushed me over was that deployment. So uh, going on that deployment, going to see the other branches and seeing how they work and stuff like that, man, I just got a taste for that. And when I came back and we went and did team training and started going on the field, I just was missing it, man. Like there was a war still going on because like I was over there in 2003. So like when the war was first kicking off in Iraq and everything and just seeing all that and then coming back to F.E. Warren where I was just like, dude, this doesn't even seem like the same military, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, so what happened once you went, went to the went green? So what was your first job there? So once I switched over to the Army, it was me and uh, – you guys remember Rodarte? Carlos? I remember the name, yeah. I remember the name. Yeah, he was, he was an FMT guy. He actually went with me. So both of us, we switched over, and we went uh, Cav Scouts. They sent us over to uh, Fort Knox, went to Fort Knox, went through Cav school. And that actually wasn't a, it wasn't too bad because they didn't make us go back through basic training and stuff like that. Since we were prior service, they just basically flipped us over and we did what, what they call like a transition course, which wasn't, wasn't too bad. It was like all prior service guys from Navy, Marines, anybody who was switching to the army. So that wasn't, that wasn't too bad, man. Nice. And you got to go to Hawaii while you're a Cavalier Scout. That's pretty cool. Yeah, my first duty station got sent out to 25th ID out there in uh in Hawaii, Schofield Barracks. Beautiful island, man. It was a great job. Honestly, though, I didn't get to spend that much time on island because uh, within six months, I already knew like I didn't want to do regular army. I knew I wanted to do special forces, and so I want to say I got on island and like. August and by like March, I was going to selection. What's the Cavalier Scout? So the Calvary Scout, Calvary, basically, okay. 
was, yeah, Calvary Scout. I was about to say Cavalier. I was I'm like a Boy Scout, like like <laughs> like level of it, like Eagle oh, Scout. Okay, I read it. Wrong. <laughs> I was, that's, yeah, I read it. He's a Cavalier. I was like, what the fuck is that? I was like, yeah, says, yeah, okay, <laughs> okay, that's because you can't read. We're good. <laughs> These guys are your reconnaissance experts, man. Recon, man. That's 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 what they do. That's their bread and butter. They're going yeah. ahead of infantry. They're going ahead of armor. They're going and doing, getting all the. They're being the eyes and ears for the for the commander, basically. And so, I mean, it was it was a great time. Good unit out there. I got to learn some stuff working out there, working with those guys. I worked with infantry a lot because when I first got there, it was a, I got assigned to an infantry unit first before they became CAV three 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 four CAV. I was in and out of there pretty quick, man. I was ready to go to selection by March, March, April, made it first time go. And I was just waiting on an airborne slot at that point. Which, you have to sign up for selection? Is that something yes. you've all okay. Yeah, yeah, you do. And then like funny story about that is within my first six months there, I, I was curious about it. And I went to go see the recruiters because they were putting on like, a, they come out to Hawaii like every couple months. Like they don't actually stay on island or at least back then. They'd come out usually from like the Fort Lewis from Washington area. And I went to go just watch the video, man. And I remember seeing the video and I thought, man, that's crazy. I didn't think I was ready for it. Cause at that point I'm only like three, four years in the military or about four years in the military. I didn't think I was ready for it, but apparently some people from my unit saw me go watch the video, go to the briefing and just like assume that I was doing that. And like, they just started treating me different. So I was like, you know what? I'm, I am going to go now. So I went and I signed up for it. And I mean, the rest is history there. So like there was a couple of things that I was supposed to be lined up for, like uh, as far as like getting ready for promotions and going to summer schools and stuff like that. And I guess the way they kind of explained is they thought I was leaving. So they're like, okay, we're going to start pulling your slots or whatever. But I just went to go watch. It was on my lunch break. You know what I mean? And honestly, I was like, yeah, I didn't think I was ready for it. You know what I mean? But the moment I got haters and they're like giving me crap because I was Air Force, they're like, I don't even know why you went. You're Air Force. Like they're going to pick you. And then at that point, it's kind of like, oh, okay. Well. <laughs> so what was that process like going to go be a Green Beret? So, man, selection, it's serious, man. It was definitely, uh, it took a lot of work and a lot of train up. So like the moment I knew that I was going, I, I spent several months in Hawaii. I lived up on North Shore at the time, and I would just walk up past the airport up there where they used to film, uh, what's that show, Lost? I think they used yeah. to film that up there. But, dude, I used to just, just ruck as much as I can, do everything I could to get in shape. And when I got there, man, they still break, break you off, man. It doesn't matter how much of a stud you are. Like, you're going to take a beating. But if you don't quit, man, you've got a good chance because – I'd say we had a class of almost 500 Wow! and half of those people quit. Half of those people quit. Like it's not that they weren't just like half of them quit. I think by the time that we're at the end, it was probably maybe 150. And then they picked like 90 or something like that. You know what I mean? So like, if you make it to the end, you had a good chance. You know what I mean? So even if you make it to the end, you're still not guaranteed. So how did those, so, so those 90 they picked, like how do they choose out of the 150? Like, what's the, the, the qualifications where they're like, okay, you all made it to the end, but this guy, fuck you, that guy, you're cool. Like, how do they how do they do that? Yeah, so it, it's a lot of factors, right? So you might have a guy who's not passing stuff, but just refuses to leave. So that's that's your obvious, <laughs> most obvious thing, you know what I mean? So, like, maybe they didn't pass their run time, but, like, they're just – they just keep sticking around. Like, so you could have that, right? But, um, obviously, there are guys who maybe feel for other reasons – Huh? 
So you just keep feeding them and boarding them and shit, even though, like, hey, you're not going to pass. Fuck you. I'm not going home. I don't have anywhere to go. Well, no, here's the thing. So, like, if you quit, you don't go home anyways. You get put on details. Because we had guys who back in the day, let's say they were going to a duty station they didn't want, they would go to selection to get out of trying to go where they where they're supposed to go. So they thought they would go there and then they would just get sent back right away. So now if you go, you're there for the whole month, regardless of whether you make it. But if you quit or you get dropped out, then you're just going to be stuck doing details. At least that's the way it was run while I was there. You know what I mean? So you would see the quitters over there, like picking up rocks or doing something, I don't know, cleaning, you know, it was like some guys will just kind of keep, keep going until the end and just hoping that they will make it. But I mean, so kind of like in basic where you would get hurt, and they send you to like the what is the three twenty fourth or whatever, and you're in there with all the broke yeah. people that tried to commit exactly. to like, They wouldn't let you leave. Yeah, you just had to hang out. <laughs> exactly. Like if you get broken basic training, you don't go home the next day. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. it's it's the same way. You know what I mean? So like guys are still there, but like guys might fail their psyche valve. Guys just might not be mature enough too because there's there's purity valves. So you might seem like a good dude in front of the cadre, but all your, you know, all your peers are like, this dude sucks. You know what I mean? He's a spotlight ranger. He's only working hard when people are looking, you know? Yeah. And so there's going to be a lot of reasons why you're not the guy. Guys get a second opportunity a lot of times, right? So a lot of times, unless you like really, really screwed up, then they'll tell you do not return. But other than that, like there's guys who've gone two, three times trying to make it, you know? So, so when you get down to that 150, those 90 pretty much know they're they're going, but you've got another, what, 60 that they're just hoping and wishing, playing the lottery? No, man. Like, I would like, say, they, like, they all the way up to know the... they're not going, right? Like, they, they know they're not going to get picked, and they just think that maybe there's a fuck-up in paperwork, and somehow Chris Smith and Chris Smith get confused and they get chosen? Like, no, 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 no. Like, uh, th- there are guys who, while I was there, I thought were way better than me and didn't get picked so okay you don't know all the way up until the end okay. if you made it or not right so okay. there are guys who are studs like oh man this dude's way faster way stronger whatever but maybe he didn't pass his psyche about maybe he can't get a security clearance maybe you know what i mean so there could be so many other factors that i can't see as a fellow candidate copy so when, when you're there and you're like oh sure 90 of us got picked but then you'll also have guys who just wanted to get selected so of that 90, some guys will never come back. They'll never actually go through the training because like selection is just uh, basically, hey, you have the potential. You've earned the ability to get further training. You're not a Green Beret yet. You know what I mean? That was just a month of tryouts, right? And so you'll have guys who are like, no, nah, I'm not going through the key course. I'm not about to go do two years of that. You know what I mean? They've had enough. So, so like on the Air Force side, it's like the equivalent of like tech school. So it's like Vandenberg, where Vandenberg, they don't really teach us shit. You just kind of weed out the idiots to see if you can read a TO, see if you yeah. can show yep. Okay, so that's kind of what it's like. And then yep. after so, that, so they start weeding guys out so they're not wasting money on like, hey, 500 dudes want to be SF. Like, yeah, we're not about to spend that kind of money on 500. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they yeah. weed it down to like maybe 90. And then of that 90, you might have, I don't know, 30 who don't even show up. who just like, ah, I just wanted to see if I could. You know what I mean? Oh, that's crazy. I want to see if I can make it. Yeah. I want to see if I can get selected. I want to see if I can just be broken <laughs> and put back together. Now I'm going to go. <laughs> Some people will do that, man. And then once you get to the Q course, it's 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 not a guarantee then, man. Q course is between one and two years, and you'll lose guys in the Q course too. So, like, once you're there, you still haven't crossed the finish line. 
and then they just send you back to your career field. Like if, if you don't qualify or you don't accept it, you just go back to whatever you were before. Yeah, generally. I mean, it can depend on, on what your issue is, man. Like if it's something they think that they could fix, you could get recycled. Okay. But I mean, if it's, if it's something critical, usually most of the guys I saw leaving was alcohol, girls, some sort of maturity issue. You know what I mean? Like it was rarely academic. Okay. So what's the, what's that pipeline look like going into trying to become a green beret? Uh, Like I said, it's, it's between one and two years for me. I was lucky. I got through first time go through everything. I was in and out in, in about a year, but on average guys spend about 18 months, sometimes up to two years, depending on which specialty they pick. But, uh, with my specialty, I, I got everything I wanted, man. I couldn't complain when I got to the course. I asked for French. I got French. I asked for engineer. I mean, that's the demo guy. I got that. <laughs> um, and I asked for third group. And I got that. So, I mean, like, I couldn't complain. I got everything I wanted. And I got through first time go. So, I was in and out in a year when, like I said, on average, the person has spent about 18 months, maybe 24 in there. So, yeah. Go figure this guy be a demo tech. He's, he blew up his toilet. In the in the in the in the dorms in the dorms. <laughs> hey, Hoss, you should have went with me, man. I remember those days. You used to come over to my house and we'd set up the rooms for uh, CQB. Remember yeah. that running through the house shooting up? Yeah, all the you had skill, man. You should have came. Nah, I'm, I wasn't <laughs> shit. <laughs> that is not me. Look at me now, dude. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like two hundred pounds. <laughs> Are you, are you you know me at like 150 so <laughs> i know man where'd that come from man is that like freaking married weight <laughs> yeah two kids a wife vandenberg, <laughs> vandenberg. putting on strikes man started in vandenberg that's where vandenberg. i got back I, I, I went to vandenberg at 150 i left vandenberg at 180 it was so. vandenberg and then minot so he went from vandenberg <laughs> where he learned how to oh, grill man. And then, and then he went to Minot where he started Dungeons and Dragons and shit. So, so, so. Oh, so he's sitting in front of a computer all day. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Well, enough about me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I was trying to compliment you, man. You were a good shot back in the day, man. That was, I know. Well, I don't. I don't think that would have been for me. That's that's not where my head was. I, I love the missile field, so. Anyways, back to you. I had a question. Yeah. So you said you had your yeah. three choices, but the first one was French. So, like, is that a – you have to learn a, a, another language, or what do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> you have to pick a language. Like, uh, back in the day, everyone had to be qualified, at least what they call the 1-1, one, one, which is, like, the bare minimum, right? And it's, like, different levels of uh, proficiency. And you get your choice of language, but that's got to – it had to line up with the group's region. So, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I picked – third group and third group was working Africa. And so French was one of the languages I could pick. And right. so that's what I wanted because I thought, Hey, you know, I'm going to be doing this special ops stuff. Uh, I would probably blend in more in Africa than in Europe. But I mean, the joke's on me because then they send me to Afghanistan <laughs> where nobody speaks French. Yeah, no, that's, why, that's exactly why I was asking. I was like, the war is going on. And let's teach them French. Like, that's why I wanted to know. Like, <laughs> yeah. So what I'm talking about is probably all outdated. I'm sure all this stuff has changed since I left. But 
back in the day, like each group had certain regions, right? And so before the war, third group would just focus on that one region, you know, seventh group would focus on its region. Each place had their own, each group had their own region that they would focus on with Afghanistan getting dragged on as long as it was and as big of an operation as it was, they just didn't have the ability to keep sending just one group of guys the whole time, you know, so they had to let everyone rotate through. And because of that, man, like some things just went out the window, like French and stuff. And the next thing you know, you're in Afghanistan. I'm like, that did me no good, but okay. So can you still, can you still speak it or are you just out of practice with it? No, I, I like, I, I can't speak it. Like I could probably read it. Cause like, I'll still keep up on like some of my language apps and stuff like that. I still got my books and stuff. So like the passive stuff, read it, maybe listening, but yeah, I'm not about to sit here and hold a conversation with you. That ain't happening. Oh, I can't speak French anyway. So yeah, no, it's not me neither. <laughs> Cause I was just wondering if you were like me, like from like my junior year of high school with Spanish, right? My junior and senior year. Oh yeah. I could maybe, I could do a little bit now. I can't do anything. I just know like, like Biblioteca and Libro and, you'd be surprised though you like if you immerse yourself it might come back to you man because like i went to africa i did eventually go to africa when i did like yeah they were speaking french all around me and like i had no problems getting around like the airport and i could read everything you know what i mean and it had been years since i'd done it but at the same time i wasn't holding a conversation so like i was able to hear people around me talk and i know what they were talking about get the gist of it but i wasn't I wasn't at a uh, fluent at all. Yeah, cool. All right, so once you once you get through your what three schools you said you had, it took about a year. Uh, what was your first assignment? So uh, I went to third group, so that's right there at Fort Bragg. And as soon as I got to Fort Bragg, I actually tried to war game in a little bit. So as I was graduating, I knew. Oh that everyone graduating at that time frame was gonna to go to second battalion and second battalion was going to Afghanistan right away. I actually didn't want to meet a team downrange in the middle of the battle. You know what I mean? That's not when I wanted to meet everyone else as the new guy. So I took leave so I could go to first battalion. I took some leave, I come back. They're like, hey, you're assigned to first battalion. I'm like, sweet. They're like, but uh, Sergeant Major wants to talk to you. Groups are majors like, hey, uh, second battalion's taking some casualties. I need some volunteers to go over there. So it's day one of me being a Green Beret. And I got the sergeant major telling me, hey, I need volunteers to go over there. You're not telling them no. You're not. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, all right. So I end up going with second battalion anyways, even though I was in first battalion. And I, sure enough, I go down range and I meet this team of guys who I have no idea who they are. And now I got to go, go fight with them. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it ended up working out. I had a really great time that, that first deployment, like it really set some memories for me, but it wasn't what I was planning on doing. You know what I mean? So how long were you uh, Green Beret? Let's see, 2006, I went to selection and then I didn't transition out of that until 2015. I went to flight school. Uh, before that though, I, so like I switched over to 20th group at one point because I went, I went to the Fox course, which is uh, the intelligence, special forces intelligence. I did that at Fort Bragg before leaving. And I went up to Chicago with the 20th group guys. Great group of dudes up there. It's a national guard unit, but I got hooked up with a AGR slot. So it was full time. So my active duty time counted. 
So it was still right. continuous and everything. That was perfect, man. Like to walk in as the new guy and pick up like the sweet spot, you know, <laughs> I, I lucked out on that big time. You sound but, like, like every Jason Bourne fucking movie like I've ever seen, right? Like when you're 20 years from now, you're gonna be like Liam Neeson. They're gonna be like, oh, who's this old dude? But you know, I'm like, <laughs> so like when you see, like my question is when you see those kind of fucking movies, like what do you think? Cause like, like I'm listening to you talk and all I can see is like, Watching like like Matt Damon play like some badass soldier or or, or something like that, like you're when they when they like just all the words and acronyms and everything and God did this 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 you know when they talk all that shit and when you see those movies what do you think? Well, I mean for one, it, it, I see it as entertainment because otherwise I will totally pick apart the whole movie. Yeah, okay. there, like, <laughs> like that's not real. That's not real. That's way over the top. Like you know what I mean? So obviously there's that, but. At the same time, I'm probably not the, not even close to the best guy to be judging that stuff because, like, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. Like, I was around a great group of guys in great units, right? I was never the smartest guy in the room, never the strongest, fastest. You know what I mean? So on paper, my resume probably looks really good. You know what I mean? People are like, oh, well, you did all this. You know what I mean? But the reality of it is, like, courses you've been through. Yeah, but I mean, like, still, right? So what? The military. <laughs> Of the of the U.S. population, one percent of of the population is military, and how many percent of that one percent is a fucking green beret? So shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> I, wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't say it to you in your face with all your guns around and all your fucking Jason Bourne fucking expertise. But like here with the distance, shut the fuck up. Like, be as humble as you want. You're like this dude that I worked with. I worked with this guy when I was stationed at Kirtland, and we were watching. Uh, some SEC football game, right? And he was like third string at Auburn when he was in. And he like he's like, yeah, I was third string, but you know, I wasn't that good. And I was like, shut the fuck, third string at Auburn. Like third stringers at Auburn are fucking starters in any like almost everywhere else in the country. So that's 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 what you're talking to me like. You're like, yeah, I wasn't the best. You know, I was just you know, I was just a, a good enough to be on the championship squad, but I didn't. You know, like kind of fuck that. <laughs> I mean, it's because like i said like on, on paper it looks good but like i know the truth yeah you know sure, i know that, no, it, 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 it wouldn't no, take like i'm no good <laughs> it wouldn't take five minutes for, for one of my old teammates to call me up and humble me really quick like oh remember that time you put this on backwards you know what i mean so like it would be too easy <laughs> for one of them to call me so it's like yeah you got to remember your place you know what i mean I was really blessed to work there and work with those guys. And, hey, man, I miss it. That was one of the best jobs you, you could ask for. Yeah, and I was about to ask you for just give us a quick little war story that's not classified or anything that you can talk about. Maybe a, a, a Dominique Lewis special slackers. No, there's this, there's this time I shot Bin Laden. Oh, wait, no, I'm just an average dude. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll give you a, a humbling one so you can understand why I'm, I'm – deliberately not cocky right so here i am i'm going out on one of my first my first uh trips outside the wire i'm with second battalion so i told you i really don't even know these guys i just got there and this is my first deployment as a green beret not my first deployment first one is green beret and so as soon as i get there i meet these guys and i'm asking them like hey uh how should i set up my kit you know how should i where should i put my pouches what do you want me to carry what should i bring whatever and one of their senior guys just like I don't think he meant it, but he just kind of blew me off and said, hey, wherever, however you want. 
And I'm like, however I want. I'm like, I, but I don't know. I'm new. You know what I'm saying? So I'm trying to figure out what I should do. And so I go back to my room and I just start putting on everything I think I might need. I'm like, this is my first mission. I got to be ready. So I've got on every cool guy pouch you could think of. I've got ammo in the front, ammo in the back. I've got grenades because I'm a demo guy. I've got my demo charges on my side. I've got all this stuff. I'm like freaking heavy. Look like some Reddit cool guy, right? <laughs> and then, so then the next morning, we're loading up the trucks forever. And I remember those guys looking at me. But they didn't say a word. They looked at me. They looked at my kit, but they didn't say a word to me, right? And I go get in the truck, and I've got all this crap on. I'm so freaking heavy, man. I've got on like twice as much stuff as everyone else. But I don't realize it yet because the guy just said, put on whatever you want. And so now we're rolling out the gate. Not prepared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, they're, they're like, this guy, he'll learn. The rookie will learn, right? So they don't say anything to me. Cavalier scout. <laughs> and, and thank god they didn't know i was air force i got so much crap <laughs> back in the day. right oh especially as a cab scout man they gave me a lot of crap for being air force but anyway so we go out there right and it's on our first mission or my first mission and the whole time we're riding out there i'm just telling myself in my head like hey this isn't like the video games this is real, right? This isn't like the video. And I just keep like repeating over and over in my head, trying to like get myself like in the right mind space. I'm like, Hey, it's not like an exercise. You can't index. Like there's no timeouts. Like we're going out there for, for, for combat. And we were actually kind of looking for trouble so I could get my CIB. It's an award you get in the army. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but we end up coming up driving down this wadi. It's this dried up riverbed and we're about to go clear this little village. And as we're going to clear this village, it's maybe 150, 200 yards from where the dry riverbed is, where we have to leave the trucks. And then a portion of us dismount. And of course, being the young guy, the new guy, you know, I'm, I'm like, hey, I'll go, I'll go. So I hop off the truck, they send me. And we get about halfway across this field when they start opening up fire on us from the other side of the village. At this point, we're stuck in the middle of a, a poppy field that's all irrigated. And I'm not paying attention to the fact that it's irrigated because we had been walking up on this berm up until this point. But once they start shooting, I'm like, screw this. I'm going to shortcut and go across the field. And I did not realize how muddy it was. So now I'm <laughs> stuck in what feels like quicksand while people are shooting at me. I'm like out in the open field. The rest of them, they stayed on the berm. They got over to the wall, you know, and it's taken me forever to get over to them. And because it took me so long to get over to them, now they're already starting to go ahead and start clearing rooms so that way they can make their way through these clots, right? So now I'm kind of on my own. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to take that one over there. And I, I see a doorway. And I'm, as I'm running towards the doorway. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It took me a second, but it started to dawn on me. I was like, man, that door looks like it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Like as I get closer to it, and then eventually, but I'm running, right? So, but right before I hit the doorway, it like hits me that like, dude, this is not a standard frame doorway, right? This is Afghanistan. Like there's no code here. And the doorway is way smaller than me. I'm only six foot, but the doorway, like if I was to stand up straight, the door was probably like to my chin. 
And here I am in boots, helmet, and that all that kit, all that cool guy stuff that I put on me. Now I'm so wide, I get stuck in the doorway. That's what's <laughs> called the fatal funnel, right? So I'm stuck in the fatal funnel. And I'm trying to clear. I turn on my flashlight because it's dark in there, right? And I'm just like freaking out inside, like, holy crap. Like, how do I get, how did I get myself stuck in a doorway? Like, it's, it's like a mud wall and I'm just wedged in there because I've got so much kit all on the side and everything. And the other guys, apparently they saw it because they were cracking up and laughing at me as this dude's like stuck in a doorway or whatever. So like I said, like, it's too easy for someone to call up and, and humble me real quick. I remember I've made lots of mistakes from day one, first mission. Could have been done right there, right yeah. there, stuck in a doorway. But I tell you what, after that mission, my kit was so slick. <laughs> like, I only had what I needed for each mission. <laughs> I was practically naked on every mission. Like, no, no, not doing that again. <laughs> you learn fast i mean if you survive you learn fast yeah that's crazy i mean like so you're the only one in the open field because you're stuck running slow heavy through the mud getting getting shot at the only one they could see so they're popping off of you thank god they couldn't shoot yeah should have stayed with the group but no. yeah and then you're the fat albert stuck in the doorway <laughs> exactly just, you know, right? those guys, anybody watching that battle is like how they not get him like like just like that like how they not get that? I right? Another one. I guess this is an elite force, but that one? How they not get that one? <laughs> yeah, man. See, life's full of mistakes, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing a, a, a laugh at your expense. That's, That's awesome. That's a good one. You were also an intelligence sergeant at that time, too, right? Not on that deployment, but uh, yeah, later on. I went to the Intel school, did that. That was a, dude, that was an awesome school, man. I'm, I'm glad I got that. That's a position that's reserved for, normally it's reserved for senior guys. I was pretty blessed that uh, my sergeant major went ahead and gave me that slot. Because uh, normally coming into special forces, the enlisted guys get four choices. You got four specialties that you can pick. And then once you've been in for a, a period of time, then you can take a senior MOS. And that's the Intel slot. And I was really blessed to get that school. Awesome did that especially going up to chicago where i got to work with uh you know some of the other agencies and stuff because some of those national guard guys uh they're green berets part-time but their full-time job they might be working for one of the alphabet gangs fbi law enforcement you know those sorts of things so it was cool being able to dabble in that a little bit See, fbi cia sound more, yep. more or less born every I just want to read some of these achievements from that. He was chosen for the British SAS the change program. The fuck is that? <laughs> oh. That's the very first one. <laughs> this is and the way he said it at first, like he was selected for the da 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 da. The fuck does that mean? <laughs> yeah, so the SAS, the British Special Air Service, right? So it's like their special forces, the British guys, right? Uh, they were hosting. Like, they're hosting an event for special ops all over Europe. So like when I got there, there was guys from Norway, Sweden, Germany, all over the place. Right. So all the special op guys are all meeting there and the SAS are hosting it. And it was, it was a pretty nice event, you know, a chance to work with, you know, other countries best of their best, you know, their elites. Um, but I do remember, there, uh, I also got to work with the SBS, the Special boat, boat Service, and man, I felt like those guys were trying to drown me. Like I can swim, 
but they took us over to this one place and wanted us to swim what felt like halfway across the English Channel. I was like, and the water was freezing cold. Like my, I felt like my soul came up out of my body, you know, what I mean? <laughs> and on the surface of the water. But they had us do that, and they had us do some. Uh, there's this kayaking thing they had us do as well. I guess in their history, it was kind of a big deal. They did something in World War II with some kayaks or whatever. I was over it. I'm not a big water guy. Like save that stuff for the seals, man. I'll, I'll meet you on the beach. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> so, so your, your silhouette is in uh special forces games and recruiting videos. So here you were, uh, you were digitally scanned by, I don't know the, the name of the studio. Marvel. Uh, it says, uh, Le- Levithan. I can't read cause I'm Florida. So. <laughs> <I'm Florida. laughs> yeah, man. So, like, <clears throat> So let, let, let me clarify that one a little bit too. Like I said, I, it's a little bit of humble pie today. So it's not like they were like scouring all of the special ops guys and like, he's the one. No, no, no. It, it didn't happen that way. Not at all. It was more like, was hey, the the like hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they weren't looking at Jason Bourne like, nah, we want, we want dumb. No, it wasn't like that. Uh, <laughs> All of you lied. It was up. more like take off your shirts. <laughs> Him, he's a specimen. <laughs> no, man. It, it was more like a like it was a last minute opportunity that popped up in Chicago, and they were like, "Who do we got up there?" And I was there. And the funny thing about it is, it was me and one other guy, me and my buddy uh, Klaus. They're like, "Hey, we want you guys to go. You're gonna get scanned by some company. They want to just see your cool guy stuff." So we grab a couple cases full of weapons and our kits and everything, and we show up. I don't think I was completely sober when I got there, but then they were also offering us like all kinds of stuff. So like, I don't even remember what everything that they were gonna use it for. I know they were talking about for a commercial. I know they were talking about for a video game. But what they did have us do is they took me and my buddy Dave, and they had us run through like CQB. They set up like these mock rooms or whatever. And they use these computers and these cameras that were like all around us to like scan our movements. Like, how do you guys clear rooms? How do you guys reload? How do you guys walk next to each other and stuff like that? So that way they could capture it. And then like they showed us afterwards, I think I have some, some photos of it somewhere. I could send it to you, but like, basically they use like uh, digital dots to just like map all our movements. And so it was pretty cool to see like what they were doing with it. But like I said, it was just more like right time, right place. And probably most sober so they're like you two go <laughs> <laughs> didn't read the contracts you don't know where your where your image is at you could be on grinder <laughs> if they're using that for grinder man that that's a whole nother level <laughs> <laughs> so you also end up learning uh russian too right yeah so i actually had to do uh i had to do russian twice so like right before i left third group they uh they started transitioning the languages because they were realizing that they had messed up teaching guys French and then sending them to Afghanistan. So they're like, Hey man, you can learn Pashto, Dari, Urdu or Russian. And I was like, uh, give me the Russian. Like I was tired of hearing Pashto. Dar- I was tired of hearing all that stuff from being in Afghanistan. You know, I'm like, man, when I'm over there, I got a turp. I don't really want to hear that. Give me a Russian, give me something new. And I'm like, plus I figured that Russian would be more useful to me in the future. I mean, and look at us now, like on the verge of World War III. You guys better be learning Russian or Chinese. <laughs> but yeah, so I took a course there at, uh, at, at 
Fort Bragg before I left to go up to uh, Chicago. And then sure enough, when I got to Chicago, they were teaching those boys Russian. They're like, hey, you want to take it? And I was like, yeah, I'll take the class. And I took that class as well. And I would say, again, just like the, <laughs> the French, I can read it. You know, I can hear it. I can understand it. But I'm not about to sit here and have a conversation with you. All right, so that leads us into uh, getting a uh, warrant officered and becoming a pilot. Yeah. So funny thing about the pilot course, uh, it started because I remember being in Afghanistan on a crappy mission, getting off the helicopter. And as I got off the helicopter and the helicopter's taken off, I'm looking up at the pilot and I'm watching him through the window. And I'm just like, this bastard's getting paid more than me. And all he did was drop me off. I'm the one who has to go through that door where the real danger is. You know what I mean? I'm like, how is he getting paid more than me? I'm like, he's going to go back to base. Everyone's going to think he's cool because he's flying a helicopter. <laughs> you know, and then him coming to pick me up is that's freaking optional. I mean, because if he hears gunfire when we call him on the radio, he ain't coming. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like this is some bull crap. How is he getting paid more? So that was not the right reason to go aviation. But that was one of my reasons for wanting to go aviation. I was like, hey, man, like, I, I want that extra pay. I want that promotion. Like, what's uh, bullcrap? I, I can be a bus driver. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was like. Yeah, bus driver. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, now, with that being said, now I've seen both sides of it. And now I have nothing but love and respect for the aviation community. I realize just how hard it is and how much skill it takes to do what they do. Right. So. Back in the day when I was, you know, faster open out or whatever I was doing in the back, for them to hover and keep it steady as guys who are 200, 250 jumping in and out, that helicopter has to adjust for each of those guys jumping in or jumping out, you know, or the helicopter's going to drift. And so now I know just how hard it is to do what they're doing. But from the back seat, it looked really easy. You know what I mean? So it was easy to judge, you know, but I think that was one of the things that, uh, made me go is that that one mission when i remember just looking up like these bastards man <laughs> they're making way more money to drop people off into danger you know and then they they scoot out of there you know but it, i think it was worth it in the end going off to, to to flight school going off to warrant officer school which warrant officer school was i think it was a bit of a joke for for, for guys who are prior service right because if you're prior service you show up there and it's like basic training again it's like, I, I don't, I don't need basic training again. Like uh, start teaching me warrant officer stuff, teach me officers things or teach me stuff about this aviation career field I'm going into. I don't need to march around and make my bed or fold my socks. Like that part was just like pretty dumb. Now in saying that though, I was pretty lucky as is, seems to be the trend in my career. Like I was blessed in the fact that when I got there, well, at first I didn't, I didn't wear my tab because this is when the uniforms you had the velcro so i took off all my stuff so nobody i think nobody would know but then one of the cadre came up to me i was like hey you know we can see your records right <laughs> they're like we know you're green beret <laughs> so i was like oh crap <laughs> so so then i put it on but then all the other cadre left me alone like i even had the senior cadre come up to me and was like hey you probably have you know tons of leadership experience and all this stuff so if you just keep quiet we'll pretty much leave you alone and i was like he made an assumption I never marched troops anywhere, right? I've never done that because like I went from Air Force basically into special ops where we don't do that BS, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but he made an assumption. I just rolled with it. And so I basically 
got left alone for the most part. You know what I mean? And even once we went out to the field, Padre had me teach while we were out there in the field. When we were doing field training and stuff, they were like, hey, can you teach these guys? And I'm like, okay, sure. I'll teach them how to do room clearing and stuff. like. So I went from like student to like semi-cadre, like teaching the rest of my class how to do CQB and then back to student again for like the final phase. So I'm like, yeah, it was kind of a waste of time. I get it for guys who are street to seat, the guys who come straight from high school or straight from college, you know what I mean? Like maybe they need it, but guys who are prior service, like you don't need to go have them freaking folding their, folding their socks and making their beds again. Like that's, that's ridiculous. They, so, you'd think they'd separate yeah, the so, prior listed. Mm-hmm. What's the equivalence of a, a warrant officer to a, to the air force? So the air force has no equivalent. So, <clears throat> so a warrant officer is above all enlisted. So they're above enlisted, but they're below your regular officers. That's that's what I was wondering. So yeah. So are you technic? So what are you? So you're 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 are you still enlisted, or are you nope. an officer, or are you just in this weird purgatory spot? And it's not purgatory. You're in the weird sweet spot. So think about it. The majority of the military is what enlisted, right? Yeah. So as a warrant officer, you're immediately above. The majority of the people in the military ain't going to tell you jack. They're not going to bother you at all. They're like, oh, you're the warrant officer, right? They're going to salute just like everything else. And then most of the officers, they're not going to bother you either because you're considered an expert in your field, right? So, like, you're so good at your field that, like, that's all you do. That's all you focus on. Whereas, like, a lieutenant, he might have, like, let's say he comes into aviation. He might do that for a while, but he could get pulled to go do other things. The guy you had on before here, Major Wood. Right. Yeah. So he started to do his job, but then he got pulled away to go do other assignments. As a warrant officer, you stay in your career field only and you become a specialist at it. So you're in a sweet spot so that even those who are above you, they got mad respect for you because this is all you do. So what is that like? So I guess where I'm trying to figure out. So you're like, you're not an E9, but you're not an O1. Like what, what would, what would your CW2? So it, it, yeah, they just call them Ws. So you're W1, W2, W3, W4, W5. And every branch has them except for the Air Force. You guys are the only weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> we like it. We like our line divided. We don't like the blurred. No fraternization. <laughs> we know no, who's who. We know who's who. You went to college and you're a moron. Nobody in between. <laughs> hey, man, that blur spot, that's the sweet spot, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you, nine times out of ten, people leave you alone, man. I was wondering that because earlier he was talking about how you were a pilot. So I was like, oh, so he became an officer. And then you're like, warrant officer. So I'm like, what is that? Like an O3? Like, I'm like, so a cap, like, what the fuck is he? So no, and so like once you make W2, you're a commissioned officer. So like Patrick Parsons, I was able to go re-enlist him because I'm technically an officer. So you get all the perks of being an officer, but you get to stay in your lane. You don't have to branch out and be like, oh, I got to go do my command time over some unit that I don't know anything about. You know what I mean? So you get to focus on what it is you came in the military to do. So that is the one sweet spot about being a warrant. And that part, I definitely don't regret. Like aviation, you, you keep some, some aviation, but like the warrant officer part, oh, that's that's the place to be, man. Yeah. You know what the version of a warrant officer would be in the Air Force? It would be the E3 or E4 that completely sucks at his job so he never can cross train but for some reason he keeps testing well and making rank yeah <laughs> that would be that. so he gets to stay in his career field no one else is ever going to want him 
He can't cross train, but he keeps making rank and outranking all the people that know what they're fucking doing. That's the sweet spot in here. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's the true slacker. You're not a slacker. The true slacker is the guy who just somehow. <laughs> Warren officer, man. That's, that's the way to go, man. If you're going to be in for, for a career, I'd say that's the way to go. Yeah. Well, that also allowed you to retire before 20, right? So I retired before 20 because of my injuries, man. So I got medically retired. Oh, okay. You so didn't tell me that. When I, when I, yeah, yeah. So when I went off to uh, flight school, man, like my old – Injuries from being in special forces, dude, they were getting super aggravated. They were getting pretty bad. And especially like flying, being stuck in a seated position, the vibrations yeah. and stuff like that. It was really aggravating all my old wounds, you know? And then the thing about being up in the front seat, you can't just like stop and stretch and take a break real quick. Like you're strapped in, bro. Like <laughs> you ain't getting out until you land that crap, you know? So it sucked. And those injuries just kind of like kept crepping along. And like, I felt them in flight school. But I'm the type of person where, like, no, nah, I'm not going to quit. You know what I mean? Like, I got to finish something. I got to see it all the way through to the end. So I didn't care how much it sucked. And I had really, really good instructors in flight school, man. And they worked with me, even though I sucked, man. Because, like, I'm telling you, I, I'm not the best pilot out there at all by far, man. Like, I mean, academically, oh, I killed it. Like, I, I could handle the academics. You know what I mean? But, like, the actual flying part, I don't think I liked aviation enough to put my whole heart into it you know what uh, i mean i was like oh you want me to put the bird here okay i'll put it over there but i didn't care about how i put it over there <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like i'll get it from a to b but i don't care if the people in the back are sick you know what i'm saying like well you know like i'm strapped in y'all better hold the fuck off <laughs> i'm like i don't know what you're complaining about i got you there did you pay for this no this is a free ride you know what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like I, I think i knew back and going now now i'm in charge motherfucker. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah exactly so i went from the back seat to the front seat and but like i think for me what, what what messed it up is that like my heart wasn't really into it very early on because i went special ops first like i said earlier i got nothing but love and respect for the aviation career field those guys you know what i mean i got i appreciate what they do right but because i went sf first going from that that freedom, that autonomy, you know what I mean? That like excitement to being a bus driver. I was like, ah, <laughs> you know what I mean? It just didn't have the same appeal, you know? Now, if I had done it the other way, if I'd gone aviation while I was younger, I probably would have loved it. And then like, if I had maybe went special ops or something later, but like going from all the flash and excitement of, of, of soft and then going into aviation where it was kind of like really tamed down, I was just like bored and like not into it. I would compare it to, I would compare it to riding a bike, right? When you were a kid, you got a bike that was like awesome, right? That was like the greatest thing ever. You're on that bike all the time. But now that you're an adult, how often do you guys ride a bike? Right? Man, you're, you're over it, right? I got, I got a bike. I got a Peloton. <laughs> I ride it about three times a week. <laughs> I mean, like, how often do you ride an actual bicycle? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like, I don't have one. You know what I mean? Like, as you, as you grow up and you mature and you experience other things, you realize the bike really is, isn't all that cool. You know what I mean? And that's how it was for me, flying a helicopter. I was like, yeah, this is kind of cool, but like, I don't want to wake up and do this every day. You know, it's like, and then think about this too. I know you guys know what I'm talking about when I say that the military has this amazing ability to suck the fun out of things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
No. Right? No. No way. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, yeah. I, I so, so if it was just the three of us going up for a flight, go have some fun, yeah, that'd be cool. But the Army has a way of, by the time you actually get in the aircraft, you didn't done so much BS that you're like, ah, I, I really want to go anywhere today. I'm good. <laughs> by the time it's time to start it up, I've already done so much crap that I didn't want to do that I'm like, yeah, I'm over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many missions did you fly? Too many? Uh, no, 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 no. See, so all my deployments were with SF or in Air Force. Okay. So I didn't even deploy. So, like, I finished flight school, and then I started medically processing out. I'm like, no, oh, I'm out of here. Oh, this shit. Is- <laughs> so how long did you do total? 18, about 18 years. So nice. I was close. Yeah. And Army was like, hey, like, so the Army evaluated my injuries, and they were like, hey, check it out. You can reclass. They offered me another job. But at that point, I already had like six MOSs or what do you guys call them? AFSCs? Yeah. So I already had like six. I was like, dude, I'm not going to a seventh one. Like, I'm not going to any more school. And by the time I graduated that school, I'd be over 20. I was like, no, 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 no. And they're like, or we can give you early retirement. I'm like, well, if you're going to pay me to stay or pay me to go, that's easy math. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh shit! Well, what do you what do you do now that you're retired? So now, man, like I've been spending my time helping. I got several friends who have like startup companies, and so I've been doing consulting for them. Uh, also, I did a little bit of work back in the early days with uh, several nonprofits. Uh, remember when Afghanistan fell? Yeah. So you had uh, Operation Recovery, Task Force Pineapple. I rolled with those guys, tried to help them out. Unfortunately, I, I ended up stepping away from them just because. It wasn't as kinetic as I had hoped it would be. I thought we were going to play the game for a little while, work with State Department, see if they do the right thing. And then if not, I figured we're going to do, because a lot of the people in there are our former special operations. So I thought at some point we we're going to like go handle it ourselves, go do it. But uh, I, I guess they're, they're not up for that. So I'm like, eh, well, all right, cool. Like, I, I don't really like politics. You know what I mean? Well, it's a run in and shoot still. <laughs> Yeah, squeeze all that gear through the doorway. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. What, what's the biggest takeaway that you got uh, out of it? I think the military is an awesome opportunity for a guy with no college background, no, you know, any kind of foundation prior. I mean, look at me starting at 17, and I was able to do literally whatever I wanted. You know what I mean? So there are so many opportunities in the military if you take advantage of your benefits. And if you don't take no for an answer. So every time I wanted to make a transition throughout my like six plus MOSs, I got a no, but I kept pursuing and I was persistent, right? Sometimes I had to go do some legwork, maybe come back to that person like, hey, I did all the paperwork. I just need you to sign it. You know what I mean? But there's an incredible amount of opportunity in the military if you're willing to take it and seize it, right? And that's what I did. And I think if I can do it, I think anybody can do it. You know what I mean? Whether it's switching branches, changing your MOS, PCS, and taking control of your career, man. Like when when you're young, a lot of people just let the guy ahead of them, a guy above them, control their career, dictate where they're going to go, what schools they should do. But no, get involved. Get involved with it early. Do your research. Do your homework. And the sky's the limit. That's one thing I recommend to anyone like new coming into the military is like, keep up your network. Like yeah. when I was young, like 
And especially as much as I changed jobs, I met so many people, but I didn't keep in touch with them as I moved on. You know what I mean? Yep. Because back then, like, social media wasn't as big a deal. Yep. Like, you didn't really have Facebook back back then. It was like, what, what was it, MySpace or something like that? Yeah, all we had was the top eight, and you could put your music on the channel. Yeah, like, like, that was it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the background. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I I lost track of my network and all the people I used to know. So, like, that's something I would say, like, these young guys are coming in, man. Like, keep track of those people, because it sucks. Like, when it's, like, 15, 20 years later, and you're trying to remember people you knew back in the day for your LinkedIn account or while you're trying to network, it's like, Man, I knew someone like, you know, because like, well, actually, when 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 Haas first t- told me about you, he was like, Dion, I was like, Dion, who? But then then when he described it, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it was like, he was a cage man. I was like, okay, gotcha, gotcha. I remember. But but it's like, I would definitely recommend people remember to network, man, and, and don't take things for granted. Because when I was younger, like, there are so many things that like, I would have documented, I would have recorded yeah. if I had known. But I, I took it for granted that like, hey, this is my everyday life. I'm going to be able to do this tomorrow. Right. That, or when some of the jobs I had were pretty dangerous, I really didn't think I was going to live this long, to be honest. So I kind of <laughs> shocked myself. They're like, Oh crap, I made it to 38. I didn't think I was going to live this long. <laughs> you know? And now I'm like, man, I should have took more pictures or grab more souvenirs, you know? So yeah. I, I tell young people take advantage of that. I wish, I wish I would have did some of that shit too. I, I definitely did not oh, I had take all, the souvenirs on the way. I had all kind of shit and I chucked it all in the trash. So, you know, like I said, I didn't leave. Good, so, so, I, I didn't leave on good terms. I was like, "Fuck it!" I kept a couple of things, like they're up on the walls and stuff like that, but very few things, like. But for the most part, yeah. I <laughs> so. No oh, man, good times though, man. Good times. Yeah, I'm glad you guys reached out, man. I didn't know you guys were doing stuff like this. Talking to people, at least starting off with who we know, and then hopefully it spreads out. And we get some more people sending us their info, and we can, you know, yeah, talk, talk, talk to a lot of people from all the branches and just get their their side of the story. Yeah, but it's definitely nice when it's like like people like you, right? Because no offense to everybody else that we talk to, but it's all the same kind of career field. So eventually, yeah. it's all going to be the same story, right? Like they all we all start the same with like, I was told I was going to work with NASA. Yeah. Yeah. Like everybody gets there, you know, cause everybody in X2 or whatever world gets told that shit, you know? And then I went to my not, you know, and I went here. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. Yours. And uh, what was the last guy that you work here with him? Oh, Castro. Castro. He, he had a story cause he actually got Deploy. deployed and stuff. So you guys have these fucking awesome like deployment stories. So it's kind of nice cause it's different than the, Oh, yeah. I remember this one time. It was crazy. We were having a Santa Maria barbecue and ran out of <laughs> ran out of black pepper. That was a dark day and long folk. <laughs> you know, it's kind of why I don't want to share my <laughs> I haven't really done anything besides missile field maintenance. So, <laughs> hey, you got to just find you some guys who have made that transition, man, because transitioning yeah. from one branch of service to the other. It's a culture shock, man. Going for, going from Air Force to Army. I got in so much trouble so much trouble at the beginning like just like the chow hall experience right my first time going to an army chow hall i got chewed out by an e7 because i got up and left my tray i got up i walk away some e7 just started chewing me out and i'm like what like he made me feel like this small you know what i mean i'm like what the hell did i do man i'm new i'm straight from the air force into the army and he's like you're just gonna leave that mess there i'm like yeah you don't have people for that and he's like what (laughs) You don't bust my shit. 
what I'm talking about. Of course, this is the ability to come and take your trades. Yeah, so I was like, what the hell? And then he like points over in the corner. There's like this line of all these privates with their with their trades ready to turn in their trades. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. You guys are you guys are living like that, huh? <laughs> it's like Air Force, you got it good, man. You guys got civilian contractors cleaning up behind you when you eat. Garcon. 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 <laughs> yeah, that's me, man. I'm getting chewed out by E7. Like, I, I don't know what the problem is here. Like, I remember I tell people that I had a couple buddies when I was in high school and they went, one went Marines, one went Army and stuff. And we were like comparing our basic training stories. And it was like, yeah, ours is shorter and we fold our stuff. And he's like, yeah, we've got a locker. We roll our shit. And he's like, yeah, and we had this when we went to Chow. I was like, oh, we had a lobster day. You didn't get a lobster day? And they're like, what? And I was like, oh. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, well, we were able to get lobster and land Lock San Antonio. You motherfuckers gonna get that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised, man. Like the little stuff makes a big difference. Like, even remember how we had janitors back yeah. in the day? Like we had janitors. So I remember I'm in the army. I'm at what is it, Schofield Barracks, and they asked me to go clean something up, right? So I clean it up. You know, I do what I'm told, but then afterwards I go talk to the supervisor because I think I'm in trouble. I'm like, hey, uh, I did what you said, but uh, can you tell me like what I did wrong? He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, he's like, you know, you're just supposed to be clean. I'm like, well, why am I having to clean? You guys don't have janitors? And they're like, no, man, everybody clean. I thought I had screwed up because he's got me out there like picking stuff up out of the grass and out of the field and stuff. I'm like, what the yeah, hell? That's I <laughs> But that, that's just like, yeah, I thought that was like extra duty or something. I'm like, man, like, what the hell did I do that's so bad? They got me picking up trash over here. And they're like, no, man, what, what the hell are you used to? I'm like, oh, well, in the Air Force, we had freaking janitor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's crazy. God. Yeah, that's, that's nuts, man. So many differences, man. So many differences. Yep. But I used to have, but you started it out with what is something that I always used to say. I'm like, I'm getting paid the same in my mouth, dude. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, right? Point, like, uh, <laughs> like, I'm getting paid the same. You're an E5, I'm an E5. I'm not going to say. You're getting paid. Yeah, you're getting missile. screamed at and shot at. Like, it's different if you choose to go to it. But I mean, yeah. <laughs> hey, I got to admit, Air Force does it right, man. Like, when there's danger, you guys take off all the, you know, remove before flights and you send your officers off to danger, <laughs> right? In the airport. In the army, it's like the officers are like sitting in some tent somewhere telling they're enlisted to go fight. And you're like, man, what the? <laughs> Air Force definitely has it down right, man. The guys who get paid the most, they should be the one out there risking their butt. It's like, oh, I'm a specialist. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I know how this shit works. You got to get shot. That's pretty much the Air Force mindset. No, no. Can you fix it? No? All right, then your bitch ass needs to go out there. Yeah. Like, you can be in charge of the shop all you want. You don't know how to fix it. What's, what's plus well, max? Well, until, yeah. until they get shot down, then they ask enlisted yeah, to rescue yeah. to come save them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Then you send out the Green Berets to go get them. Yeah. Or pararescue, man. That's still Air Force. Yeah. yeah. The pararescue, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, one piece of it. Yeah. Oh, and, and your CCT, man. Your CCT. Oh, I thought about going that route. I remember before I left, you, you guys remember uh, Nagler, Brian Nagler? Yeah. 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 So before I switched to the Army, I was considering Air Force Special Ops first. And we went and we got coaches. 
and we had coaches train us up on the swimming portion because I can swim, but like, I wasn't that good back then, you know? And so we had coaches train us up and I was considering PJ or CCT, but I think just cause I did my homework and I kept seeing that CCT and TACP, these guys are always getting attached to green berets. I was like, well, why be an attachment when I can be the actual special forces? And I think that's what made me go that route. But in hindsight, having worked with them, like, dude, those guys are awesome too, man. Like freaking CCT, those, those dudes are they're pretty good at what they do, man. And they get cool, sexy toys sometimes before <laughs> us because there's less of them. You know what I mean? It's easy to feel 300 versus 3,000, you know? Yeah. Bam. Oh, but. Well, man, it was great uh, catching up with you again. And thanks for sharing your stories and hanging out. Yeah, man. Hey, I'm glad you guys uh, hit me up. And don't be afraid to stay in touch, man. You guys got my number. Yeah, if you got some friends that want to share their stories as well, tell them to send us uh, their info. All right, bud. Take care. Thank you for joining us and listening to today's podcast. If you or someone you know has a military story or career that deserves to be told, send us their bio to militaryunsungheroes at gmail.com. H-E-R-O-E-S. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and download on your favorite podcast app.